I'm very excited for this uh, next guest joining the program on the Bulletin. Big fan, big fan, big fan. Although I feel sorry for him, I think he's the only television reporter not at the Rugby World Cup. And he has the most French-sounding name, Guy Havelt, joins us. The Ponty <laughs> Reed of New Zealand Sports Broadcasting. Good to see you. Or hear from you, rather. Uh, it's been a long time, my friend. Great, great to <laughs> chat with you. Uh, I will take that introduction as well. Very kind of you. Across the board. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You, you always take my little jibes about your height so very well. Ponty Reed, good player, though, good player, though. Mate, guy, you, I well, know you're a massive sports usually, fan. Most people usually call me a jockey, mate, so um, so anything more than that is, is probably a compliment. With all due respect, jockeys, obviously. Yeah, oh, powerful weight ratio, very good, the jockeys, yeah, absolutely. True, true. <laughs> Ter- terrible at the buffet, though. Absolutely rubbish at the buffet. Um, well, how how good is our life right now? Like, seriously, there's so much sport going on. I was just actually thinking about that this morning. We've got Rugby World Cup quarterfinals this weekend, and yeah, two of them are a little bit, meh, but two of them are just so exciting to think of the prospect of those two games. Ireland, obviously, against the All Blacks, and then that France-South Africa one as well, which I just cannot fathom who might win that game. Just can't wrap my head around who I'm going to pick in in that game. And then, obviously, the Cricket World Cup ongoing at the moment, uh, being a big racing fan. Uh, obviously the Everest, the Caulfield Guineas, so much racing to look forward to a Group 1 here and the Livermore Classic as well. There's just so much going on. Uh, as a sports fan, you kind of don't know where to look, but it's uh, it's bloody brilliant. Uh, speaking of the Everest, let's start there. I had to think about it winning. <clears throat> what do you think of that idea? You know, I spent hours and hours pouring over the race form, and I, Louis Herman, what? Hours, yeah, he, hours yeah, to yeah, come up with yeah, that. He did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess. You saw a few ones next to think about its name, and you thought, "Yeah, that's good enough for me." Well, kind of. I, I went with the old names theory. Now, what names sticks out? <laughs> yeah, and I went, "No, well, it's think about it." Far. Means I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. So let's think about it. So whatever um, way gets I, me to the finish line first, like Kipton in the marathon, doesn't matter. Well, I think you might be getting to the finish line second, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I really like I Wish I Win's chances. I, I think he's the best horse in the race. Uh, he's proven that um, across 1,200 metres. His, his run in the Memsey, which was 1,400 against some of Australasia's best horses in that distance, he was a very close-up third. And I just think 1,200 despite the draw, yeah, he would have liked to have been a little bit wider. But um, I, I still think if he can get a little bit of luck... He's, he, he should be able to brain this field um, and, and hearing from Peter Moody and, and Luke Nolan and even Mark Chittick, who's now over there on the ground, it sounds like he's very sound. He's, he's looking good for this race. So I think you might finish second, but I do think think about it as a great top three, but even a top two bet. Uh, last time I checked, $2.40 maybe. Um, yeah, I, I really liked that. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd be quite willing to go those as a Quinella. Uh, in, our, in our The Everest show on Trackside and also TVNZ+, Plus, uh, Brendan Popperwell, who is very good at tipping a, a winner or two, likes Overpass Top 4. And I see that um, I wish I win to win, and Overpass Top 4 is 17 bucks at the TAB. So I might be having a little bit of a nibble on that. 
It's not it's not a bad play guy because Overpass will be the natural leader. I, what I don't yeah. buy is people that think there won't be pace in this race just because there isn't on paper. They're, once the jockeys get out there and they start smelling some of that green paper, they will be trying to get near the speed <laughs> because there's one thing that jockeys like more than a buffet, Daniel. It's money. Um, so so there's, there's that. Hey, Val, I'm just wondering, since you've been involved this year, um, you know, just having a closer eye on the Everest. It's not a vintage edition of the race. It's, it's definitely not one of the, the better fields. But where do you think it's got into the consciousness of Australian and New Zealand racing? Because it's only in its seventh year, Daniel, when you stack this up to the Cox Plate, mm. the Caulfield Cup, the Melbourne Cup. But for some reason, the Everest, probably because Australia is known for sprinters, and this is the best sprint race on the calendar now for $20 million, it makes it into the mainstream and into the consciousness of Australian sport, which isn't an easy thing to do. It's a great question and, and a very, very good point. Look, what I would say is that I think Peter Volandes is a genius. He did it with the NRL all through COVID. He kept the NRL in the front of people's minds and he's been able to do that with the Everest as well. And that is purely through, well, not purely, but a large, a large chunk through that $20 million tag. And, you know, we, we know that the winner doesn't get 20 million bucks. It's, I think it's $7 million to the winner. But when you're able to market a race as a $20 million race in this part of the world, um, that, that is just a, a very, very easy marketable sell. They've also poured money into the likes of the barrier drawer. Um, they've got so much around it and the build-up and, and that sort of thing and the race day experience. And, yeah, there are, there are some pretty awesome race days at yeah. Melbourne Cup, Derby Day in, at Flemington, Cox Plate Day, obviously, um, the, the champion, the championships at, at, in, in Sydney as well. There are some great race days, but, but that race day just seems to cater to the younger audience, which I think has been a, an audience that has been missing for a few years in racing. So he's seen that as an opportunity. I, I genuinely think he's a genius. He, he, he just knows how to get people involved. He knows how to get people excited. Uh, and, and he's done wonders with the Everest when it comes to this. As you say, I don't think it's the best field that, that it has had in, in, its, in its six years previously, um, but it's still got a lot of interest. And maybe because he, maybe that, that is in New Zealand anyway because of I wish I win, um, but, but around this part of the world, I, I do think it's because of all those things that I just mentioned as well. Australia was smashed last night by South Africa. Wasn't it great? Are you writing, are you, are you writing the air obituary? Oh, it was just great, wasn't it? God, oh, it's so nice to see them winless after two games. Just drink it in as much as you can. <laughs> uh, I'm not writing their obituary just yet. Um, I mean, they, they have been comprehensively beaten. They haven't just been beaten, but they've been comprehensively beaten in these two games. Um, so I think they must be a little bit concerned. Um, and and, and I, I know, aside from that England game, New Zealand has played... Um, well, they've they played the Netherlands, a weaker opposition, and, and um, you know, on paper, Bangladesh and Afghanistan, two games that they, they probably should win. I'll get onto that a little bit more. Um, Australia has had a tougher start, but when you go 0-2, it just makes your task of making the top four, the semi-finals, that much harder, and all of a sudden the pressure piles on them. Um, yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm just delighted to see them 0-2. I, I think it's glorious for the World Cup. Um, it wouldn't be nice if they went 0-3, 0-4, so on and so forth, and they didn't make it to the semi-finals. It'd be a nice change for once, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be the first time since 1992, if I'm not mistaken, they wouldn't make the, uh, the knockout stages of a Cricket World Cup. Um, New Zealand, how are they tracking? How worried about Bangladesh are you? Yeah, pretty, 
Um, and, 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 you know, as I say, on paper, these are two games that they should win. But they head to Chennai. Different conditions uh, should suit the likes of Bangladesh and Afghanistan a lot more than, um, than pitches that those two teams have, have played on already. Um, and, and, you know, the Black Caps, albeit a strict second-string side, uh, lost to the UAE in the UAE. And, and, yeah, even though it's a markedly different team, I still look at that result and I go, they are still susceptible in these conditions. Um, if they can win these two games, though, they are 4-0. and And, yes, it has been an easier start to the draw or it would have been an easier start to the draw for the Black Caps compared to other teams. But 4-0, and you're sitting very pretty over your last five games where you just need to win two, well, three ideally, but even two, you might be able to sneak into the into the quarterfinals, into the semifinals rather off that. So um, the draw sits in their favour if they can win these two games. It is a big if in my mind. Uh, I think these would be a lot harder than people seem to, seem to suggest. Uh, the spin of both these two teams will test New Zealand. Great having Kane Williamson back. Interesting to see what they do, whether they go with Will Young or Mark Chapman um, in terms of that other, that other batting spot. I would probably lean towards Mark Chapman um, I know Will Young is very adept at playing spin, but so is Mark Chapman, and I think he's been very strong in, in conditions like they will face in Chennai. So um, I'm intrigued by that. But, yeah, as I say, if, if they can win these two games, all of a sudden things are looking great for the Black Caps at the World Cup. That would be, and I know where you're coming from, but I, I think it would be so hard, harsh on Will Young to drop him now. He's been so good. He's been so good this year. Yep, um, but, very true. But Russian Ravindra, you've got to go with a hot hand too. So um, it, it's a great position to be in. There's lots of options. Hey, Guy, I'll get you out on this. I know you said there's two ho-hum quarterfinals, but those two ho-hum quarterfinals, you know, South Africa, France, New Zealand, Ireland, they'll still be pretty tight, mate. They'll, they'll be pretty tight test matches, those two ho-hum quarterfinals, because <laughs> the other two are really hard to pick too, uh, Guy. I can't think of a time where all four quarterfinals are this even. I don't think it's ever happened. And, and, and you know what? Halfway through saying what I said, I was like, they're actually very hard to pick, and and I'm in a little yeah. tipping top with a few mates, and uh, I've gone Wales over Argentina, but I'm still very unsure about that, and I can't get my head around whether Fiji is going to be I, like they'll get up. Can they beat England? I'm not sure, but there's there's a big part of me that thinks they can, so I can't figure out where I'm going to go there either. So there are genuinely four quarterfinals here that that I just can't figure out who's going to win. I think Ireland might be a bit too strong for the All Blacks, just quickly. Um, I just think across the board, they're probably a better team at the moment. I don't think this whole weight of expectation will really bother them too much. They're a very, very, very good rugby team. They're the world number one side. I'm just not quite sure the All Blacks are, are quite good enough. I, I, As you know, I have been proved wrong many, many a time before, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if I was proven wrong in this regard. But, yeah, I think it might be an Ireland win, and the All Blacks might be heading home in the quarterfinals at, at this World Cup. I'll- I think we've got about 30 seconds. Louie and I have done our typical thing. We've got a bit stupid. We're expecting the All Blacks to park the bus, play for penalties. Uh, so in the so after extra time and sudden death extra time, they'll go to the five kickoff. <laughs> who, are your, who are your five kickers? Who are your five kickers? Oh, crikey. Um, they still have to be on the park, you've, don't they? You've I got to it. check, yes, and you've got to check every yeah. little clause. You've got to check every little clause at these tournaments yeah. now based on 2019, mate. It could happen. Oh, and- Absolutely, you do. So you'd have to have you'd have to get Damien McKenzie on the park. So you'd have him. You'd have to leave Richie Moonga on the park. You'd probably have to somehow leave Boda Barrett on the park, which is probably never going to happen. Um, Geordie Barrett there as well. So you've got four there instantly. And then you look at someone like 
I don't know, let's go rogue, Dane Coles to, to kick the winning <laughs> 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 Imagine the celebration. Imagine the celebration. Oh, Ponty Reed, you've nailed it, son. Dane Coles to kick the winning kickoff at Rugby World Cup. Guy, great to chat, mate. Go enjoy your weekend, mate. It's a huge one. Thanks for your time. Nah, absolute pleasure, mate. Great to chat to you. Go the boys.